Hello everyone, I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. So what are the answers to today's seemingly cultural, political, biblical, and historical demise being promulgated by Marxist, communist, socialists from the highest offices in our land, and yes, some churches too? And how does Christ, the Bible, and the creed to which our nation was founded, the land of the free and home of the brave, now be communicated? amidst a seemingly wicked and perverse generation whose ideology from indoctrination are clearly left with no desire for what is right. No pun intended. Well, there is an answer. There is hope. And here to explain is Pastor Emeritus of the Moody Church, having served as senior pastor for 36 years, internationally recognized radio host and teacher of three radio programs, Songs in the Night, The Moody Church Hour, and his daily feature, Running to Win, heard on over 750 national and international outlets around the globe, as well as award-winning and best-selling author of multiple books, some of which include Hitler's Cross and One Minute after you die. And now, with his latest, we will not be silenced, responding courageously to our culture's assault on Christianity. Get ready, ladies and gentlemen, to be informed, equipped, and powerfully so. Would you welcome to testimony a high honor indeed. Dr. Irwin W. Lutzer. Dr. Lutzer, Irwin Sir, welcome to testimony. Well, I'm so glad to be with you, and of course, I appreciate the fact that you are interested in testimonies. You know, even when you read the New Testament, what you find is, throughout the life of the apostles, they were constantly bearing witness to what they knew. You know, Jen, if you're interested in my testimony, I was born on a farm in Saskatchewan, Canada, the last of five children. When I uh, was born, I was born into this very good Christian home. I frequently asked Jesus into my heart, and nothing changed. One day when I was about 14 years old, my parents said to me, we think it's time that you accepted Jesus. And I said, I tried it, but it doesn't work. I never noticed anything different. I never felt anything different. And they said, you have to receive Christ by faith. So in a little room out in the farmhouse, we knelt, and that night I received Christ by faith. And uh, ever since that time, I knew I belonged to God. Amen and amen. And Dr. Lutzer, that was in fact my very first question for you, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. And full disclosure for our listeners, we've had the great joy of meeting uh, both you and your beautiful bride, Rebecca, at National Religious Broadcasters Conventions throughout the years, and most recently at the Gaylord in Grapevine, Texas, where you hold a significant role in leadership and no doubt mentorship to the many broadcasters from 
around the globe seeking to learn and know more, yours truly included. And for that, we are immensely grateful. I just want to personally thank you right up front. And I'd like to get into your latest great read, We Will Not Be Silenced, with a quote from Dr. David Jeremiah, quote, If I could, I would put this book into the hands of every Christian in America, end quote. A powerful endorsement from one of the nation's leading biblical scholars, teachers, television, and radio hosts, expounding biblical principles and application as you so beautifully do, Dr. Lutzer. So let's get right to it. You obviously gathered great resources in the compilation of your latest must-read, We Will Not Be Silenced, Juggernauts of History, Both Good and Evil, some of which include, and I'd like to mention now, both author and title, David Horowitz, Dark Agenda, George Orwell's 1984, Saul Rules for Radicals, Churchill, House of Commons, Hitler's Mein Kampf, and Richard Wormbrand's Tortured for Christ. And these, just for starters, resources, Dr. Lutzer, you would think most Americans have read, but not so, as the stats seem to prove your thoughts on why we will not be silenced is the perfect resource for educating us on it all. Well, you know, the thing is this, that we today don't realize, and I point this out in the book, I began to realize that the radical left in America does not believe that America can be fixed. It must be destroyed and rebuilt. And it's uh, rebuilt on a quasi-Marxist foundation. You know, in your introduction, you referred to Marxism. Classical Marxism was primarily a viewpoint that was uh, economics. Cultural Marxism applies Marxism to culture and says we can bring about a Marxist state as long as we do so incrementally, as long as we capture the media and education and law. uh, We can uh, indeed bring about Marxism and all of its supposed beauties and without a bloody revolution like they had in China or in Russia. So what we see today is this idea that the past must be vilified And we certainly see that in the vilification of our original documents and even the vilification of the founding fathers of America. And so I show how this is being done subversively. And then I apply it also to race. You mentioned Saul Alinsky. I think when you listed the number of people that I quote, he was a community organizer, a Marxist who said that Marxism could be applied to race so that they would be in perpetual conflict with no hope of reconciliation, which is exactly where we are at today. And then I apply it to issues of freedom of speech, socialism, and so forth. So the reason that Dave Jeremiah said that wonderful quote, he called me and he said that this idea that I promote in this book makes sense of everything that is happening around us, all of the cultural issues. Once we understand cultural Marxism and its influence, then, of course, everything begins to fall into place and we have a better grasp of what is happening. But as you know, every chapter ends with a response of the church because that's what my heart is and that's where it is. 
is I want us to be able to respond to this culture and not be shamed into silence. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Dr. Erwin W. Lutzer. His latest great read, We Will Not Be Silenced. Dr. Lutzer, testimony has had the great privilege of interviewing many of today's greatest thought leaders, including yourself and culture warriors, some of which include David Horowitz, whom you reference, Dinesh D'Souza, Judge Janine Pirro, General Jerry Boykin, and others, and even those of different biblical persuasion, yet all with the intent of providing truths that transform and build bridges instead of burning them. That said, Dr. Lutzer, how does your book, We Will Not Be Silenced, specifically achieve just that and address, in your view, the most critical of today's issues? Your thoughts? Well, that's a big question to answer, but I have to say this, that once we understand the unifying thoughts of our collapsing culture, then we have to ask the question, how do we stand against it? And if I might summarize the response of the church, even though there's a response in every single chapter on these issues, in general, I would say that the time has come for us to be willing to stand to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, and to take the consequences and uh, stop our whining (laughs) and realize that we have to join with other Christians throughout history who have always suffered for their faith. You see, up until now, Americans have been able to live in what can be called the mushy middle. Uh, They didn't have to declare themselves. But in our collapsing culture, there is no place to hide. Everywhere we turn, there's the ideology, the ideology of race, of socialism. And so what we need to do is to realize that the time for us to declare our faith, to stand out, and to take the heat has come. And most of us, of course, we're all basically cowards. We all want to be liked. We don't want to be vilified. And so it's very easy for us to try to hide. But those days are over. And... uh, So what I do is I encourage the church by looking back, by looking at the New Testament and helping people to realize that we are in a new day. The America that we are facing today is very different than it was 30 or 40 years ago even. And uh, we have to realize that God has prepared us for this moment and we have to march ahead. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Dr. Erwin W. Lutzer, his latest must-read, We Will Not be silenced, which leads me beautifully into my next question. Any leader of any value, my view, is results-oriented, which you just alluded to. Talk with action equals results. Case in point, President Donald J. Trump, an example of just that, a leader who was vilified for successfully leading a nation to job creation, oil independence, border control, the Abraham Accords, the embassy in Jerusalem, pro-life, racial reconciliation and prison reform, well-funded military to protect our freedoms. That said, Dr. Lutzer, under the current Biden administration, what should our response as Christians be in both word and deed? Your thoughts? Well, you know, as a pastor, I have never endorsed a political candidate or a political party. 
And I say that because when you endorse a personality or you, you endorse a party, you realize that uh, oftentimes, obviously, they aren't perfect. Uh, President Trump certainly had his faults in terms of what he said and oftentimes the way in which he treated people. But it's my responsibility, and I see it as every Christian's responsibility, to speak to the issues. And that, of course, impinges on politics. You know, I heard uh, Huckabee say the other day, he says, there are those who say that politics is dirty. He said, well, do you think it'll get any cleaner if Christians stay out of it? Well, I don't think so. And so what we have to do is, you know, you name any issue in our society, whether it's race, whether it has to do with economics, whether it has to do with censorship, all of that today is tied up in the bundle of politics. So what we have to do is to speak to the issues and help people to understand what those issues are, how we should stand against them, and then we move on and um, continue to represent Jesus Christ and take the heat. So that's where I see ourselves as being today. Amen and amen. And who better than you as a pastor for 36 years, boots on the ground. You are, Dr. Lutzer, a husband to your beautiful bride, Rebecca, the father of three grown children and eight grandchildren living in the Chicago area, and where the Moody Church you pastored, as I just alluded, for over 36 years stands today. Uh, and what some might say is the, quote, murder capital of the world. That said, how has the church, your view, been able to impact the area in which you live? And if not, why not? And what advice would you give to pastors having the same challenge today? Your thoughts? Well, first of all, let me say regarding Moody Church, on any Sunday morning here at the church, we had more than 70 different countries of origin represented. And that was the case because we know that in the book of Revelation, it says that in heaven there are going to be people from every tongue and people and nation. And so we as a church wanted to reflect our neighborhood and the diversity of the city of Chicago. Now, the question of violence happens, especially in some parts of the city. Uh, this past weekend, there were 74 shootings. Uh, six resulted in death. Oftentimes, there are more than, than die than just the six. And sometimes wounded people die, and you don't even hear about it because it happens so numerously. But here's the point to be made. If I might say so, there was a philosopher who said that if you want to begin a revolution, choose a slogan that nobody is going to speak against, that nobody can oppose, and then invest that slogan in the meaning that you want it to have. So we have today, for example, Black Lives Matter. Well, do Black Lives Matter? Of course they matter. All Black Lives Matter. But when you look at the organization, which admits it's Marxist, you discover that there are only some black lives that matter, and that is those that can be used for political purposes. When there were six shootings and six shot to death in Chicago this past weekend, I uh, almost assumed that they were African-Americans, since that's where the greater death occurs. There was no Black Lives Matter person there that I know of. There were no Black Lives Matter signs even, because those black lives don't matter. So here's the point. Again, I go back to the use of language and propaganda. You choose a phrase 
or slogan that appears to be so very good that nobody can speak against, and then you invest it with your own meaning. Now, I'm not sure if I'm answering actually the question that you asked. You were talking about surviving in a city where there is such high crime. Again, I want to say this, that the work that is being done in Chicago that is really long-lasting has to do with the churches of Chicago. There are many churches in high-rise, high-crime areas that step to the plate. They're involved in the lives of the brokenness of their community, and they represent Jesus Christ there. Moody Church isn't located in that area. Uh, where there is that high crime, though we've had some uh, some crime even in our area. But um, there are churches that are doing what no other organization would even begin to do, and that is to risk their own ministries to try to help the poor and the broken. And that's really where Christ can be best represented. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Dr. Erwin W. Lutzer, his latest must-read we will not be silenced. Dr. Lutzer, you just alluded to Black Lives Matter. Well, all lives matter. Critical race theory and the new anti-Semitism. Which, in your view, is the most dangerous and why? Well, I think that the most dangerous actually is critical race theory. And I say that because it has permeated our culture. It's in businesses, it is in schools, and so forth. And uh, the book that you alluded to, which I've written entitled, We Will Not Be Silenced, I give a considerable amount of space to critical race theory because it actually is dividing the races. It uh, is based on the idea that skin color is where the division should come. So you have the oppressed Uh, which is the African-American community, and then all of us whites are seen as oppressors. So there's no such thing as individualism or character qualities that are necessary. Everything has to do with the color of your skin. Totally opposite, of course, to what Dr. Martin Luther King taught when he said that we should judge one another not by the color of our skin, but the content of our character. So the intention of these diversity studies who's, uh, you know, taught in our universities, is to keep the races in perpetual conflict without resolution. Those who are oppressed blame the oppressors for all of their um, deficiencies because, remember, in that theory, there's no such thing as individual responsibility within your group or that the group has any responsibility. It is just that they are oppressed And therefore, children grow up with this very negative idea that because I'm oppressed, I can't achieve anything. All that I can do is to find further reason to blame others for my plight. Now, here's the point. The New Testament shows us that in Jesus Christ, we are united. In Jesus Christ, we discover that the differences between us are not that great. After all, we are all sinners. We are all created in the image of God. We all stand in need of redemption. So we come together and we ask ourselves, what can we do together to make things better? But we can't solve any problem as long as we're shouting at each other across racial fences. Christianity says we really don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. And that's the issue that needs to be dealt with. 
And the cross of Christ deals with that issue in a way that nothing else does. Critical race theory keeps tearing apart what Jesus died to bring together. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Dr. Irwin W. Lutzer. Dr. Lutzer, you also have a chapter on the sexualization of children. Can you speak to this, what is happening, and what parents can do about it? Well, first of all, let me say that children are being sexualized in our schools for maybe one or two reasons at least, maybe even more. Number one, they're being sexualized because you finally have the marriage of Marxism and Freud. Freud thought thought that it was very unfair for any child to be kept back from sexual experiences. Sexual experiences were pleasurable, therefore children should enjoy them too. So the whole idea in the curriculum, I don't know how it is where you live, but here in Illinois, beginning at least the fourth grade, what you have is pornography being shown and taught. You have the idea that children can choose their own gender, which is totally nonsense. And so what you have is, because we know sexual desires are very powerful, you have children who are being taught uh, sexuality, the stimulation of their own sexual desires at a very early age, very destructive, intentionally. The other reason is because if educators can cut them off from their parents, from God, from the Bible, children like that are much more easily led. In other words, it's their parents who take them to church, Karl Marx taught. Uh, God was the ultimate oppressor. So if we can throw off any restraints that God has laid down, then we are liberating people. And of course, the idea is that we're going to liberate these children. What happens instead is they are bogged down in guilt, in addictions, and oftentimes, therefore, turn to drugs to try to deaden the pain of an empty life. And so it is a total disaster. But that's the solution of the world, a terrible solution, uh, certainly. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Dr. Irwin W. Lutzer. Uh, Dr. Lutzer, in our remaining time here today, I would love for you to address, as a pastor, as a leader, what many are criticizing in megachurches today as the comfy, feely, no confrontational, and no power to transform a life and change a life. Why is that? And what do pastors and churches today need to do to change that? Well, first of all, let me say, this may be somewhat controversial, but I think that many churches today have adopted such an emphasis on technology, especially during COVID. They discovered that there were more people who were tuning in electronically than attended their church. So they've invested a lot of money into all kinds of technology and the congregation itself uh, seems to be neglected because what they're interested in is becoming this big star on television with all of these people watching them instead of taking care of the flock of God. The second thing that you find oftentimes in these churches, though it doesn't have to be a mega church, is the pastor feels that he has to be really woke uh, because that's the way to gain acceptance and to get a reputation of wokeness, which often has to do with issues regarding uh, 
sexual equality and perhaps income equality and certain view of race and so forth. And so obviously what you're going to do is to avoid some of the tougher doctrines of the Christian faith. Sometimes when I'm with pastors, I ask themselves, when was the last time you preached a full sermon on the doctrine of hell? Well, the truth (laughs) is most have never done that. Uh, You know, and, and we're not doing people a favor when we stay away from those doctrines. Now, we have to preach it with a great sense of conviction and uh, brokenness on our part, because um, we don't preach harshly. These are hard truths. But what the church has done is it has cherry-picked all the positive aspects of the Christian life, you know, how to be a better person and how to get God to do your bidding, etc., etc. And we've neglected the other. And so as a result of this, some of the weakness of our church is is that the gospel that is being preached isn't really the gospel. It may be the social justice gospel, but it isn't really the gospel. And so that's the kind of weakness that you are talking about. So pastors need to really assess this question, actually a series of questions. Number one, am I going to submit to the culture in such a way that um, I'm going to make my sermons palatable? and acceptable, in which case, of course, they're going to abandon truth, at least hard truth, or indeed, am I going to preach the truth lovingly, but take the consequences? And I say to people, I hope certainly that you're not hateful, but it would be better to be thought of as hateful and preach the truth than tell lies with compassionate whispers. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to beloved Pastor Emeritus of the Moody Church, internationally renowned radio host of Songs in the Night, the Moody Church Hour, and his daily Running to Win, heard on over 750 stations across the nation and around the globe. And if that were not enough, best-selling, award-winning, author of multiple books, his latest, We Will Not be silenced, Dr. Irwin W. Lutzer. You can learn more about Dr. Lutzer's work, ministry, and mission by visiting moodymedia.org and get his book on Amazon.com, Get Informed, and Get the Balance You Need in Not Only Sharing the Gospel, but being the gospel. Dr. Lutzer, thank you for taking precious time uh, to share not only a little of your own faith journey, but your years of wisdom garnered as a pastor for 36 years, an often thankless job, seeing firsthand the malady and the victories of those seated in most pews today and those who are not needing the biblical, historical, and cultural facts, your book, We Will Not Be Silenced, so beautifully explains. I'm reminded of the scriptures, quote, faith worketh by love, end quote, and that, quote, God is love, end quote. And indeed, the writing of your book, We Will Not Be Silenced, is that act of love, and brilliantly so. We thank you, we honor you, God bless you. And God bless you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ 
one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.